the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. So we have a lot to get to here in the second hour of the Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along on 98.9 The Answer. Don't forget our apps allow you to take us with you wherever you go. iHeartTuneInRadio.com. Download our own app, and you'll have access to all the great Salem Media Network hosts. Search 98.9 The Answer, 98.9 FM The Answer, in the iTunes and Google Play Store. And one of our great Salem hosts is Hugh Hewitt, who starts the mornings every day here from 6 to 9 a.m. And this is a save-the-date moment, a mark-the-calendar moment, and Ohio will be in the national spotlight, and you want to be there to witness it in person. Sunday, October the 24th, 7 to 9 p.m. at Genoa in Westerville. Hugh Hewitt will be here, on site, in Columbus. And he will be moderating the Center for Christian Virtue and 98.9 FM, The Answer, American Leadership Forum. And who is part of the American Leadership Forum? Well, I already told you, Hugh Hewitt is part of it. And so are the Ohio candidates for the U.S. Senate. That's right, the seat that's currently held by Rob Portman, who at this very hour is questioning Secretary of State Antony Blinken in Congress. That will be one of the most highly contested and uh, nationally focused Senate races, and it is presumed to be a GOP seat to lose, hence the importance of this event, the Center for Christian Virtue and 98.9 FM's American Leadership for an even evening with the Ohio candidates for the U.S. Senate. So how will this work? Well, right now you need to go to 98.9theanswer.com and get your tickets because they're on sale right now. This is the first announcement of this event. Sunday night, October the 24th. Hugh Hewitt will moderate a live radio talk show, but in venue event where he will have time individually with each candidate. And they'll all be there. Mike Gibbons, Josh Mandel, Bernie Moreno, Jane Timken, and J.D. Vance, all on the same stage. They'll all be there. So Hugh Hewitt will interview each one one-on-one, discussing their faith, their views on leadership, what's inspiring them now to run and ramping up to running, what's inspired them in their life. You're going to get to get to know all the candidates on a deep personal level, and then they'll all be invited back on the stage together, and they never appear together. So this is a rarity, and you can be in the room for a conversation with Hugh Hewitt and CCV President Aaron Baer to discuss the key issues that matter to you, the Christian voter. 
This is a great opportunity, and I would dare say a singular opportunity, for you to be in the room at a major news event, a major policy-shaping event, and for you to invest in making the right choice for you to succeed Rob Portman in the U.S. Senate. So it's October the 24th, 7 to 9 p.m. at Genoa in Westerville. Tickets now at 9890answer.com. Now, as I said, we have a lot to get to this hour. We have the California recall election of Gavin Newsom is going on. Uh, We have a need for me to clarify something I said yesterday. So let's start with that. I extolled the speech by former President George Bush yesterday at Shanksville, Pennsylvania on 9-11. I played a compilation of President Bush's speech. I thought it was well done. There was a portion in the speech that has gained a great deal of notoriety from conservative commentators and from liberal commentators. Liberal commentators, I said liberal commentators, loved it. Loved it. Now, when liberal commentators love something, and I love it too, then i got to ask myself if I'm on the wrong side. So when I heard things like this coming from an assortment of leftists, I had to check whether I've gone crazy. Former President George W. Bush calling on Americans to confront violent extremists at home. Former President George W. Bush, John, uh, used his speech yesterday to call out domestic uh, extremists. I thought this was a really notable moment. The fact that he did it, it was a beautifully written speech. President George W. Bush's truly incredible speech. Okay, so when the people who thought George Bush was a war criminal think his speech was great, and I think his speech was great, then I have to wonder what went wrong, or what are they thinking that I may be thinking the diametric opposite of. And the portion of Bush's speech that we're talking about is this particular portion right here. There's little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But then there's disdainful pluralism in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols. They are children of the same foul spirit, and it is our continuing duty to confront them. Okay, so what is he saying there? What are the leftists hearing, and what am I hearing? Well, I'll tell you this, we're hearing two different things. They're hearing, and actually Ben Shapiro heard the same thing the leftists heard. They thought George Bush was equating the January 6th Capitol uprising with the same deranged mindset of the 9-11 terrorist bombers defiling national symbols. The terrorists did it to World Trade Center, Pentagon. Would have done it to the Capitol if not for the heroes on Flight 93. And Bush is quite possibly talking about the U.S. Capitol being defiled by people barging their way in there on January the 6th. That's how Ben Shapiro took it. That's how Matt Walsh took it. That's how Michael Knowles took it. That's not how I took it. I took it as him talking about Antifa and BLM. Because he talked a lot about loss of life. Well, there was enormous loss of life on 9-11. There's been enormous life in the riots 
by Antifa and BLM. There was not enormous loss of life on January the 6th. There was only the loss of one life, Ashley Babbitt, at the hands of a policeman who was exonerated. And I'm not sure he should have been exonerated. He was exonerated a whole lot quicker than the officer from Columbus who did the absolute right thing, unavoidable, tragic though it was, in the death of Micaiah Bryan on May 15th. We're still waiting for him to be exonerated. So I will allow that Shapiro, Knowles, and other people that I respect had a better handle on what Bush said than what I thought he was saying. But I don't expect the worst of George Bush. I know he's been a little squishy-wishy-washy on Trump and on the people who stormed the Capitol. And look, I don't support the storming of the Capitol either. I didn't support it the day it happened. I've not supported it any day since. But I also, there's two things going to be true at once here. I cannot support the storming of the Capitol, and I can also never get on board with the fact that you have to be out of your mind to equate it to 9-11. It's not worse than 9-11, like morons like George Will think. And if George Bush thinks that, then he's stupid too. Much of his speech was very well done. And I thought, as I said, he captured the moment very well. But if he's equating January 6th and 9-11, that's a super big fail on his part. So I just wanted to clarify why I said what I said about that. Now, nobody cut my mic in the middle of that explanation. I'm thankful for that. Now, the people here trust me to express my opinions clearly and cogently. That is not the case among the handlers of President Joe Biden. The latest incident happened yesterday where the President of the United States most powerful man in the world, the commander-in-chief, had his microphone cut off while he's talking. Who's doing that? Why are they doing that? And why does it keep happening? We'll discuss next on The Bruce Hooley Show. While Andrew Ginther, our mayor, obsesses about the imminent danger of COVID, runny noses and uh, coughs and headaches, uh, we are giving Chicago a run for its money in terms of violence. Uh, Columbus Dispatch, I guess they've gotten bored. I can't really blame them. The definition of news is something that departs from the norm. Well, murder in Columbus has arguably cease to be news. Dispatch doesn't write about every murder anymore. They try to worry about trends because you know what happened, of course. Guaranteed, somebody from City Hall called him and goes, hey, you know, you're writing about every single murder like you're making us look bad down here. Like, cheese it on that. And the dispatch, like, you know, with a rare attack of conscience. Yeah, but we're kind of the stewards of the public trust. We we, we kind of have to write about crime, Mr. Mayor. Well, don't do it as often, okay? So anyway, now the dispatch is writing crime trend stories. So they compiled all the violence of the weekend into a really comprehensive account of six shootings and two murders, and we got the numbers on 
what the murder total is for the year, what the felonious assault total is for the year. Really, 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 really good reporting by Bethany Bruner. And I laughed in a morbid way when a paragraph began like this. The homicide total in Columbus stood at 147 as of 2.30 p.m. Monday. <laughs> Bethany Bruner's like, hey, I'm not owning a hard and fast number because by the time this gets into people's hands, there's probably going to be another murder. And Bethany, kudos, because sure enough, there was. I don't understand. I'm not laughing at the tragedy of this. I'm laughing at the absurdity of it. Of a mayor and a city council that are so put off by citizens not wanting to wear masks indoors in the county. And not a word last night about the escalating murder total that's already, already on September the 14th, the second deadliest year in Columbus history in terms of murders. We've already surpassed the record for felonious assaults. And sadly enough, we had a murder last night that killed a 14-year-old boy in Linden. A 14-year-old boy. So, we're now at 148 murders for the year. The all-time record is 175 last year. We'll get there by probably middle of November. Uh, Columbus police have solved a little bit more than half of those cases. Felonious assaults. And while Andrew Ginther puts a mask mandate on you and drives you crazy and restricts your freedom and heightens desperation in the city, all resulting in the kind of behavior that results in felonious assaults, the number for the year is 1,100. In 2020, there were 964. So we got a full quarter of the year left. And we're already over the total of felonious assaults from 2020. Pre-pandemic? You think, oh, what are you, a crazy person, Bruce? You're saying the COVID lockdowns contribute to felonious assaults? That's nuts! Better put your tinfoil hat on, Hooli. Okay, well, what am I left to conclude when I look at the pre-pandemic 2019 felonious assault number? It was 536. 536. Then, in 2020, during the pandemic, it was 964. And now... Early September, early to mid-September, it's 1,100. Oh, no, no, pandemic, COVID lockdowns, shutdowns, hmm. totally unrelated, totally unrelated. Just like the White House saying, nah, nothing to see here. Sure, the president's microphone keeps cutting off. Yeah, but I mean, you know, just somebody fat-fingered the off button. Yesterday, Joe Biden is in Idaho talking about wildfires and no doubt climate change and other existential threats. And uh, he's having a little chitty chat with a guy in the room with him, and he's on whitehouse.gov. And this is how their conversation ended, uh, prematurely so. Can I ask you a question? Of course. 
One of the things that uh, I've been working on with some others is. Yeah. Thank you for joining President Biden. That's the White House graphic that came on screen. They cut his mic off. Now, if that were a one-time thing, well, that would be a thing. But it's not a one-time thing. Here's Joe Biden, August the 25th, in the White House, talking to reporters about Afghanistan. Thank you all very much, and thank the press for being here. We're going to go private now. Mr. President, So they ask Biden, if Americans are left in Afghanistan after the deadline, what will you do? And the camera is still rolling, and he's sitting there answering, and the audio is cut off. Now, why is this happening? You know why it's happening, because you've heard him a million times say, uh, they, they told me not to take questions, but, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm kind of... Old-fashioned, I figure I'm the president, I can do whatever I want to, so I'm going to answer a couple of questions. Uh, White House officials, already Jen Psaki in the past has said, Biden taking questions from reporters off the cuff is, quote, not something we recommend. Why? Because, you know, he gets away from the nurses at the old president's home, and he goes off script, and he ruins their talking points. I've said to you before, what must these people be thinking when he is about to take questions and they're standing off stage, he's just out of the reach of their sh- figurative shepherd's crook. And they can't quite get it around the old man's neck to like, come come on, to bring him off stage. And they are watching their political futures and that of their party go up in smoke as he tries to fumble and stumble his way through some inane, stupid comment. So look for more of this. Because they have now made no pretense about it. He's let the cat out of the bag plenty of times. Uh, They told me i got to go by my list. I'm not supposed to take any questions. They told me not to take any questions. Who's they? Would you like to know who they is? Like, why doesn't somebody just bark at him? You're the president. Do whatever you want. Why does he only do that when it comes to disastrous withdrawals from Afghanistan? Why does he not do that when it comes to press conferences? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.